Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And joining me again, and for the entire month of May, Carissa Sprinkle, our guest co-host, Carissa. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you back. Thank Listen, you. If you are listening to this and you have not gone and listened to Carissa and Cameron's episodes, yes, plural, episodes, uh, you've got to go, maybe even pause it now and go and listen to it because well, I don't it, know about that, but. they're incredible. Episodes 79 and 80, wonderful, wonderful story of how God is working a powerful redemption out of a difficult circumstance. And now, Carissa, you and Cameron are doing a lot to minister to other people who have found themselves in similar situations. And, yeah, um, and there's a lot. We've just yeah. found there's quite a few. Quite a we few have of us. found that. And you kind of, you know, we found that a couple of different ways. One, you guys began to go public. The week that we did our interview with you, you went public with your story. And so you guys found that there's a lot of people who are dealing with this. And to, mm-hmm. so that you guys aren't, you know, I don't keep you in suspense. This is um, about sexual betrayal. This is some a topic that mm. is very prevalent, but unfortunately not a lot of people talk about it. And so therefore there's not a lot of healing that's happening in it. Yeah, so there's you a lot of shame around that. it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You discovered that the week you started being public, and then you've also discovered it because you're you two are both now community group guides for our Nothing Is Wasted community groups. Yes, and I'm I'm really excited, humbled. You would ask us for one to just kind of be a part of launching this. We um, it's still new, but we've gotten people uh, coming in, and it's yeah. just been so cool to see their stories and to see them be able to have a space to share them in a really private, vulnerable way, feel Mm. safe. Um, So, I mean, groups were such a huge part of our recovery. We got involved in groups right away, recovery groups for both of us. And so um, they say, you know, and I heard in another interview that what's uh, broken in relationship is restored in relationship. And so these things will just grow and fester in isolation. And um, so those groups were huge for us. And so being Mm -hmm. able to offer that kind of support or direction or resources, anything to someone else who just would have no idea where to turn because it's so private. um, It's just harder to find resources for these types of things. So we were excited to get to jump in and help. And I just hope that people feel seen. I hope Mm -hmm. they feel heard. I hope they feel safe. And I really just hope that they do, um, get, have hope that, okay, there is counseling. There are people who get this. There are people who know what to do. This isn't the end for me, you know? Absolutely. So we're excited about that. If you're in a situation, you're listening to this and you've been looking for community, uh, a community of people who are walking through a similar valley as you, this is, this is the place for it. I know that that was the case for me is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I faced the tragedy of losing Amanda, I wanted to talk to another person who had lost their wife at a young age. And um, it was great to talk to other people who had lost a spouse. You know, it was fine. They were older. They definitely had some wisdom and could help. But I wanted to talk to somebody who was a, a little bit further along in the journey um, who could offer some hope, but also some practical steps as to like, hey, this is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. This is some pitfalls yeah. that you need to look out for. And so, you know, disclaimer, we, this is not like professional counseling that we're offering no. here. We, but this is more of a support group style. Now, some of our community group guides are 
licensed professional counselors, um, <laughs> but that just happens to be so. That's not necessarily because that's not a prerequisite for being a guide. But you guys as guides are those who are just a few steps along in the process, a few steps further ahead. And you're yeah, saying, hey, yeah. come kind of follow me as I'm following Jesus, right? To borrow yes. from what Paul said in scripture, follow me as yes. I'm following Jesus and um, and, and we're going to we're going to be alongside and link them. arms with other yeah. people. I think that's right. just, it's a powerful visual. Like we're all stumbling. Let's just link yep. arms and we might stumble a little bit less. And, and I'm glad you made that distinction together. too, that, you know, this isn't just about like, Hey, come and you're, there's going to be some guides here, but this it's, there's a community here and there's a power yes. in the web of connectivity between all of us and sharing and pooling resources and sharing and pooling uh-huh. ideas and sharing and pooling hope and encouragement with each other. And so yeah, that's, that is that's powerful. why, yeah that's, yeah, that's why I'm super excited about it. You know, yes. I shared with you guys our last community group guides uh, meeting. I shared with you about how Christy and I, we were part of uh, some support groups when we went to a counseling retreat over a year ago now. Yeah, And yeah. that was the space that I felt like I could be more vulnerable than I've ever been in my life with anybody. And they understood mm-hmm. me and they, and they were, you know, empathizing with me. And I experienced the most healing that I've ever experienced because there were That's other amazing. people in the journey. Yeah. That is just a powerful thing. I mean, I feel like it's yeah. just the one of the greatest weapons we have, especially for those yeah. who you can't afford counseling and you don't have a lot of options and you are trying to be really private. This isn't the ultimate solution to everything, but it is a giant stepping stone that's available that right now right. with the button. So, yeah, right. that is a, a so powerful good. weapon we have to fight against situations as devastating as these so this may be the first step that you need to take. And if you need to take that step, we would love to invite you to do so. Nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. And you can go and uh, you can join a group or a number of groups. Um, you can go kick the tires around a little bit and kind of see what's happening yeah. behind that over. portal. And uh, we'd love to we'd introduce love to you to some you. folks. Yeah, be yeah. awesome. Yeah. And before we get too far, maybe you should just go ahead and stop and uh, go on over to iTunes and rate and review. That just helps um, the word get out about what we're doing here, what um, store all the stories that we have to share and the way that they could really impact um, the people in your life. And so we love, and and it's just encouraging to hear what you have to say. And Mm. so, and while you're doing that, go over to nothing is wasted ministries on Instagram. We'd love for you to follow us over there. Um, Mm. feel free to tag us. If you're listening to an episode and something sticks out to you, it's just a great way to share it with others who just Mm. really need these messages. So yeah, we'd love for you to do that. Also, I'd love for you to go and share your story with us. Nothing is wasted.com slash stories. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Um, that's a place where you can submit your story. And uh, it's a place where oftentimes people will submit a story and either we feature it on the podcast or we feature it on our stories platform. And so you can go and submit those stories right there. We love hearing stories of how uh, you're finding triumph in the midst of whatever tragedy you're walking through right now. If you have any guest suggestions, email us or any questions at all, really. Uh, because we're going to start answering some of those questions here on the podcast. Hello at nothingiswasted.com 
email us there and we'd love to help you with any of your questions that you may have or guest suggestions that you have. Well, speaking of great stories, um, this one was just so good. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, especially as he got to the end of just <laughs> what God did in him. So this is, it's just so good. So um, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the Davies interview with Luke Lazon. Luke, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Super excited about this. Yeah, I, I am really excited about this conversation because I'm excited to hear more about your story. It's kind of a nuance of walking through adversity that we have not really touched on much on the podcast. Yeah. And so it's going to be really great to hear how, you know, what God's done in your life through this and and how you're turning around, you're leveraging your pain for for purpose. Before we dive into that, though, I'd love to just kind of get some context of your family, your life right now, present day, what does everything look like? What do you guys do? Where do you hail from? All of that. Yeah. So we are currently in Atlanta, Georgia, and more specifically, we're on the south side of Atlanta in a town called Noonan. And so my wife and I, we've been married for almost four years. So we are, you know, not writing any marriage books anytime soon, but we're doing our best. And um, yeah, we have kind of a strange life. Lindsay and I, we travel together a lot. She does a little work as a nanny, uh, but I pretty much travel and preach at churches. It's uh, it's my life. It's what I'm passionate about, feel called to do. Uh, obviously, more recently, I, I wrote a book. I love to just write kind of in general, and it materialized into this book. And so that's taken us uh, new places, and it's been amazing. And mm. it's just, it's crazy what God is uh, can do through such a weird set of circumstances. You know, yeah. I never imagined being here, but here we are. And yeah, outside of that, uh, we only have one child, and that's an English bulldog named Knox, the pride and joy of our life. And so, now, is that uh, because you're a UGA fan? Are you a Georgia fan? Uh, oh gosh, no. He's actually named oh. Knox because we're Tennessee Volunteers oh, fans. Okay, well, so not quite as bad just, as Georgia, but <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're we're um, yeah, we're definitely not Georgia fans, but we love bulldogs. <laughs> we just go. prefer that they're. Tennessee Bulldogs. So that's amazing. That's us. Well, I won't tell you that I'm a an Alabama fan. Um, oh gosh, yeah. cut the podcast. I know it's Stop rough. It. It's rough. No, I yes. grew up in Birmingham and went and graduated from Tuscaloosa County High School. We moved to Tuscaloosa right before my senior year of high school. Oh, so you so can't. You, I mean, you're you're in. You're not bandwagoning it. Yeah, no. you're not from Indiana and like you no. know. Okay, no, this was Makes like. Sense. Yeah, it was. It was like it. It was in the water. I mean, by yes. osmosis, you just you just become an Alabama fan, no so, doubt. Well, man, um, you're you're traveling, you're speaking, you're you're sharing at your story at churches. You're also preaching. You're right. Is this something that uh, you know happened before all of it? We're going to get into your story a little bit before you walked through this valley. This was a part of who you were as well. Where you know, I, I know you pastored for a little bit. Yeah. Would you kind of give yeah. me some context behind like your passions before we dive into your story? Yeah, so it was my passion uh, prior to me getting sick and and all of the things that kind of transpired to materialize into this book. Uh, however, probably not to the degree that it has been now, and also you know things that happened in my story prior to kind of led me up to this moment where, mm -hmm. um, yes, I felt. Um, called to be doing what I was doing, but I hadn't been doing it for very long uh, before mm. I ended up getting sick. And I had actually 
only surrendered to that call I felt like God had on my life maybe two years prior. And then as we started pastoring this church, I ended up getting sick and it, uh, yeah, it, it turned into everything that it has now. And so I don't want to go too much into going yeah. forward and then going backwards, right. but that's kind of how it <laughs> happened. Okay. Well, so you wrote this book, Your Mess Matters. It's a lot of it is surrounding what God has, has done out of and what he did through this situation. So yeah. take me back talk to me kind of the timeline chronologically of what what took place to lead you into this valley and, and then on through it. Yeah. So uh, it's actually kind of wild. I had been pastoring this church. My wife and I, we co-planted it with another couple, Hill City Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We planted it with Matt and Angela Slaughter, incredible leaders and people. And uh, we had probably only been doing it for eight months or so, and I got an opportunity to go to Israel. And I've been to Israel since, and and all these things. It's incredible, and so everything I'm about to say, it has no indication that Israel has like terrible food or something. However, <laughs> yeah, please uh, don't tell people that because we're taking a nothing is wasted Israel trip in October of 2020. <laughs> I hey, it is it is it is, it it is, is good, <laughs> so safe. The most. It is the most life-changing place. <laughs> this was actually all. I pretty much got sick because of, you know how God, he, he allows these things, right? But yeah. it was a little stupidity on my end. Um, okay. So uh, a couple of my friends and I, we were in Jerusalem, very, you know, chill to open up a sentence that way. And we were downtown <laughs> Jerusalem. And it was like, it was a bad movie, man. It was, it was like a guy standing on a street corner. We were looking for food and we wanted more like American food. Right. And there's a guy standing on a street corner and this is like how you, how you end up like in a bad situation. He's like, Hey, we have a restaurant back here. If you guys want to follow me. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. I'm starving, <laughs> which at that moment, right? Like you're done for, uh, what, so we go out of curiosity, Luke, what quarter of, of Jerusalem were you in? I don't even you know, remember. I don't, don't even like remember. The Jewish quarter or the Islamic quarter or whatever. Yeah, okay. it wasn't it wasn't like the old city or anything like that. It was oh, it was it a newer area. Oh, okay, okay. So gotcha. it was a newer area. And you know what's terrible? So we we follow this guy down into this back alley, and there is a restaurant there, but it's so shady. And we ended up eating <laughs> there. And I we think everything's fine after that. Like whatever. Yeah. Um but as I got back home and stuff, you know, um, my brother and I, we had been working out quite a bit. Uh, my brother's built way differently than me. He looks like Thor. I, you know, just for the listener do not. And so I started thinking I was like losing some weight and I thought, Oh, this is good. I'm working out. But then I just kept losing weight. Hmm. And I actually spoke at an event and my wife saw someone that had tagged me in a photo and she said, something doesn't look right with you. I don't know what it hmm. is. Like, and we started looking at older photos of me and in a non-flattering way, I was like extremely thin, like looking thin in the face, looking like something was wrong. And we stepped on the scale. She like forced me onto the scale and I talk about it in the book. And I was down like 18 pounds from what I usually was. Jeez. So we came back from that event. We go to the doctor and the only information that they were able to get from a, a small sample of testing was that I had a high white blood cell count and that I was losing weight rapidly, mm. uh, which for anybody in any kind of medical field will right. tell you that's, uh, that's, that's scary. pretty much cancer yeah, potentially yeah. early on. Yeah. And so it uh, from there, it was a wild six-month journey, man, of the doctors literally did not know 
what was wrong with me for six months. And it was brutal to live in that kind of confusion, uh, uncertainty, no clarity, and a lot of guessing and honestly just testing. And um, I ended up losing more than about – I got down 50 pounds, so I didn't have 50 pounds to lose. And it it was bad. It was real bad. So, And there are moments in there that we can talk about for sure that I was just like – why God, yeah. you know, of course, of all the places too, of like the Holy land, God, that's where I yeah. get sick. Why? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and what, what's terrible. And this is actually kind of comical is we went back there a second time and my wife didn't go with me the time I got sick. We went back a second time though. And right above where the alley, where I had gone to get uh, this food, where we think I ended up getting sick from it. Um, there was a great American restaurant just one story up, oh and gosh. we just missed it. And so it was very depressing. But <laughs> Wow. So eventually the doctors kind of maybe ruled things out and, and determined it might have been this foodborne type sickness. But before that, that you're in this, like you articulated, you're in this space of absolute uncertainty. Like what in the world is going on? Initially yeah. when, when that you know, when, when it came back and you're hearing some of the, this, you know, biological symptoms that are happening, but you have no prognosis, no diagnosis, uh, talk to me a little bit about what, what did that do in your spirit in terms of your like relationship with the Lord? Like, Hey Lord, what's, what's happening here? What, what was happening? What was happening in your heart? Well, you know, what's crazy is at the time, you know, I was 24 and, I don't sugarcoat it in the book. You know, a lot of people are like, you know what? And just right there, I hit my knees and thanked God for the circumstance. And I just didn't, honestly. I was furious. Uh, I was less than a year into marriage. I was less than a year into planting a church, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and planning on getting married and planting a church yeah. in the same year, don't. No. Um, wow. But um, less than a year into both of those things. And I'm like, incapacitated. I have no energy. My electrolytes are messed up. They can't figure it out. And so I, I I say, you know, I had moments where I, I cursed God. I was like, you don't know what you're doing. You called me. This is what you do after you call someone like, what is this? And, and that really started a journey, not just for myself, but for Lindsay as well. Um, where it, number one, humbled me in a huge way to mm-hmm. reveal um, your faith is not where you thought it was. Mm. Um, and then also, this is something where, you know, you you like talking to people about the things that and, and how they should be going through things, but you haven't had to go through many your, yourself wow. uh, to this level. And God broke me, man. I mm. mean, he he broke me. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad looking back on it now, it took me a second to get there. I'm, I'm thankful um, for the things I learned in it. I'm not necessarily thankful for the circumstance, yeah. uh, but I'm thankful for what I was able to take out of it. And it was, um, it was bad. And I did, by the grace of God, eventually get to a point, you know, many months into that process where uh, I, I finally just surrendered and was like, I, God, I have not handled this well. I want to go to a deeper level with you. What do I need to do that? And and by the grace of God, he got me there. But it was not without a – I went in kicking and screaming for sure, man. Wow. Isn't it interesting, like, especially someone like you, you you know, you're in ministry, you're preaching, you're, you're sharing the Word of God and these principles of, hey, here's how you live, you know, um, in submission to the mm-hmm. Lord in any circumstances. And then you're faced with a trial – which is this like what you said, the same things that you're speaking to 
and it, yeah. it causes you to really wrestle. Wait a minute. Is this just like, is this real within me? Is this something that I'm, that I really, is this, is this heart, <laughs> is this heart transformation yeah. within me or is this just head knowledge? I felt this, I felt the same way, you know, especially in terms of like, I had preached so many messages on forgiveness and could, oh, yeah, could logically break down this idea of forgiveness in scripture. And then, you know, with our story, what happened to me, then I'm confronted with this idea of forgiving the unforgivable. And it's right. like, is this, is this for real? Do, do you, what, what do you attribute that to in terms of like folks who are in ministry? I always love talking to folks who are in ministry already and they start walking through a trial because... Yeah. It, it does cause your faith to really be crystallized and galvanized. Um, what do you think the, the nuance behind walking through trial while you're in ministry really, yeah. uh, really is? You know what I mean? And I don't want to like yeah. say there's a lesser than, greater than by any means. It's just a different type of circumstance when you're used to teaching people these things and all of a sudden you are walking through these things. What does that do to your level of intimacy with the yeah. Lord, your level of faith, you know? It, I think, uh, multiple things there, Davey. I, I, I think on my end, I, the nuance behind it is, uh, the place I eventually got was God. Um, what is it that I need to learn in this? Mm-hmm. And then what is it that I'm learning in this that is going to help people? And for me, um, and I don't know about you, but I went, I'm starting to understand the grace of God on a different level because I'm not just preaching grace and studying grace for the sake of the edification and sanctification Mm. of others, but I'm also now having to learn it in a way myself that is uh, painful and difficult and that quite honestly, I'm not sure I would have learned outside of this. Mm. And I still don't know how God's going to use that for the rest of my life, Uh, Mm. but I started to understand grace on a different level because I needed it so badly. Um, the way that I was um, thinking about God, um, the way that I was feeling about God, I needed Him to be patient right. with me. Right. Uh, the other, the other thing is I said it earlier is just a different level of humility. Um, I'm sure you never experienced this, but as a young 20 something, I thought I could take mm. on the world and just kind of <laughs> grab it by the horns and that it would bend to my will, uh, yeah. even if I didn't say that out loud. And so Philippians 2 became a real thing for me where it was like, you know, Christ humbles himself to the point of death, even mm. death on a cross. And I'm like, I can't even humble myself to the point of like being sick, even if I'm mm. going to get healed eventually. Um, you wow. know, what is what is going on? So it was a it was a deep um, revelation of self, which then helped me to really be able to sympathize with others, which yeah. is such a key in ministry. I think especially for a young leader, right. um, especially someone who's been trusted with a pulpit at any level. But you know, um, it's hard to let someone at the age I was at, particularly then. Um, to have the pulpit and to be able to talk about these things, and people are already assuming like you have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Um, but people really started to, in our church, have a respect for me uh, as they watched me go through those things and grow in them. Yep. And so it was a, it was a beautiful thing to see God use it in such a powerful way, mm. uh, even though the circumstances were awful. And yeah. I, um, I just think it is different for people in ministry because it's, it's easy to say, well, you're a hypocrite. Uh, because look, you're telling us to do all this stuff and you're struggling behind the scenes. And at the end of the day, I was like, isn't that all of us though? Like we all kind of 
know the answers, um, yeah. even if I'm the one up here preaching them, it, even though we know what to do, we know what's right, we know what we can call upon the Holy Spirit um, to activate in us some self-control, gentleness, patience, like all those things. I'm, I'm choosing flesh here. Mm-hmm. And so it was, a, it was a real sanctifying process. Yeah, it's interesting. We live in, I feel like, a, a, an echo chamber of a culture, right? You know, yes. people are retweeting or, you know, reposting or whatever, you know, medium you use for your social media. But there, it's usually someone else's voice, but there, you can tell someone who has a voice that is kind of from their experience with the Lord, their experience yeah. through hard things, their experience with adversity. And there's a difference in mm-hmm. the intonation. There's a difference in the anointing when someone's walked through it themselves and they're not just, Oh yeah, retweet. Let me just echo this thing that somebody that I heard somebody else say one time that was really good, but you've walked through the Valley yourself and you've Mm. come out of it with, Hey guys, I met with the Lord in this really deep, dark space. And he, he showed me and revealed to me some hidden mysteries of his character that are just for me. And I want to share those with you because I want to give you a new vantage point of who God is. But I mean, I'm telling you, this was how personal God was with me in this valley, you know? Yeah. Did you yeah. find yourself wanting to, it's just out of curiosity and, and also in a place mm-hmm. where I find with, you know, kind of in my own heart sometimes where I want to fast forward that process and go, okay, God, well, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get what you're learning, what you're trying to teach me here. So can we go ahead and like get out of this thing now so that I can teach people this? Did you yes. wrestle with that quite a bit? Because this was oh. a long time that you're wrestling through this sickness. Yeah, and and I don't know about you, man, but I'm like, I'm an ambitious person, which I know people in ministry yeah. are probably like, don't say that. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of the reality. I want to be solid at what I do, right. you know? And so right. I was like, all right, God, let's speed this up. Uh, let's learn the lesson and let's ride because mm-hmm. uh, I want to I wanna help other people through what they're doing. And, and again, that was part of that humbling thing where he's like, do you, do you really want to like help people through what they're going through? Or do you just, do you just want to use this for you? Because mm. I've got plans to use this for me. Mm. Um, and I'm going to use it for you, but I can't use it for you unless you're willing to allow this to be used for my glory. Wow. Um, he's like, I'm all for your good. It's, it's just got to be with my glory as well. And wow. uh, that was a thing where, uh, again, I was like, gosh, I mean, I, have so many things that I need to grab out of this. And, and I think it took as long as it did. And I want to say also, you know, six months, a lot of you listening may have someone that's been sick for six years. Um, and I, I recognize that. Um, it's, I think it's all circumstantial. I think I never want to say like, uh, you know, if someone's got a paper cut on their pinky and it hurts, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, I had to get mine amputated. So what are you talking about? I'm like, Hey, if it hurts you, I get it. Pain is pain and I'm not here to compare. Um, but for me it was just, it, it was brutal and I definitely wanted to speed up that process, uh, and get out of it. Um, and, and I think the motivation for that was something God had to check my heart on and be like, we, we really need to figure this part out before we can do anything with it. Yeah. I was, um, I heard somebody say the other day, speaking of like retweet, here it is. Uh, but it was so good in terms yeah. of what you're just talking about. Um, that the only, and I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to butcher the way that they said this. It was probably way more powerful, but the only filter by which I have to, (laughs) the only filter by which I have to filter my pain is what, what I've gone through. Right. So like what you said, pain is pain. So to one person, 
you know, it, it may be a bite to one person, it may be a bee sting, but it's pain and it's futile for us to compare it because yeah. it, what hurts for you hurts for you. Now there's obviously like, I feel like macro pain and suffering that helps give all of us no doubt. a perspective that says, okay, you know, there's someone out there that's hurting worse than I am for sure in this situation. But I think the yeah. key to empathy in ministering to people is to recognize like, I'm not going to hold my pain up and compare it to anybody else's pain, you know? Right, right. Um, it takes a lot of empathy, and I feel like you can tell you've learned so much through your circumstances as well um, that everyone listening to this is familiar with, I'm sure. But it's like you could easily – anybody that approaches you with a problem, you could easily be like, are you kidding me? That's the problem you got going on in your life right now? That's the mm -hmm. pain you feel like you're facing? And and I do feel like um, you can recognize someone who's mature in what they've gone through based on the fact that they're not comparing those mm. things. And that, again, is something that I feel like I learned in that. Um, instead of poo-pooing everyone's problems right. or acting like they were just these insurmountable mountains it's like it's a conquerable and b never too small hmm. so it was a it was a lot That's of so learning, good man wow hey everyone i'm cutting in momentarily to make sure you've heard about a friend to the nothing is wasted community who wrote a really great book that just recently released deborah faleta who was also the guest of episode 101 on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Deborah is an author, counselor, and relationship expert, and her book, Love in Every Season, takes readers on an eye-opening journey through the four seasons of every healthy relationship. After reading her book, you'll be able to better recognize the patterns of each season and understand how to navigate each one with intention, which is vital to the health of your relationships. No matter what your relationship status, get ready to learn everything you need to know about how to strengthen your love in every season. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season to purchase a copy of Deborah's book now. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. Now back to our interview. Talk to me about how this uh, affected, you know, you guys were just what one year a little more into marriage um is that right you were just over a year we of being were, married when this I'm, diagnosis i'm came counting in? i'm counting i can't remember the day we got married let me think. <laughs> i'm kidding um you know <laughs> that's just in case my wife's listening we were we were married for about six months oh, wow. uh, at this point wow yeah okay so talk to me about that um how this affected your relationship with your wife and you know, some of the, some of the valleys that you guys experienced together within this. Yeah. You know, I opened the book. Um, I wanted to be vulnerable when I opened up the book because I just feel like there, there was a point where we all understood, right. That like on social media, everyone's kind of posting their best and hiding the rest. Mm -hmm. Um, and like that time I think has come and gone where like you can do that, but nobody's dumb at this point. Like, mm. I just connect so much better when I know what it took for you to get to where you are now. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to open it up that way. And the hardest part of the whole thing was at, at the uh, climax of collapse for me in the middle of it. I mean, I was on all these different drugs for the things that they didn't know that I had. They were just trying anything and everything mm -hmm. to get me to be better, antibiotics and steroids. 
And I ended up just having a meltdown on my wife and I'm just like screaming at her. Like, you don't, you don't understand. You're not being sympathetic. You don't even care all this stuff. And I end up just sitting like a little boy on the kitchen floor Mm. and just, I was so broken even now thinking about that moment that I, that I even have the capability to do that. Uh, And so for us, it, it taught us grace in our marriage uh, it taught us uh, how to handle extreme circumstances. And for me, uh, it was such a deeper appreciation for her coming out on the other side of that because I feel like always in a marriage, there's like the one person who's a little bit more like even keeled and steady. And then there's the person that's all over the place. And like, you know, I'm the all over the place person. Mm-hmm. I'm the person where they go, man, you go zero to a hundred really fast. And I'm like, no, I idle at 75. So like, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> but it, it gave me such an appreciation for her steadiness, mm-hmm. even in the midst of difficulty. And um, it bonded us closer, but not without taking us deeper. And I think I had such a superficial understanding of what God was calling us to mm-hmm. Um, not just for ministry, but any couple. I think it was just like, okay, we're supposed to get married and have a nice family and do what we can for God, but to truly like live on mission mm. um, for the glory of God and to, and to spread His fame and His name. I was like, this is gonna go so far for us for the rest of our our life, Lens and. Mm. She had a different appreciation for me as well because I can be stubborn. I've heard, um, <laughs> and it broke me of that a little bit to acknowledge, to have to, to say, I messed up here. I can't believe I did this. There is no excuse. I'm sorry. Uh, it just bonded us deeper, man. It, it was a mm. beautiful thing. It was a true beauty from ashes situation. Can you, can you unpack what you just said a little bit more in terms of this idea of, you know, the superficial understanding that you had of the calling to live on mission? Mm-hmm. What was the difference between like practically speaking, see if you, help me understand this a little bit more. This, yeah. oh, here's what we thought our calling was. Here's what we thought living on mission meant. Here's what we thought being a ministry family uh, looked yeah. like. But here's what we now understand it to mean because of this pain that we've walked through. I think, um, and again, not to make ministry different, but there just are different things that go into it. Um Lindsay and I, like we knew that we were going to be pastoring this church when we got married and we were already in the process of, of doing a lot, helping a lot, leading a lot. And I think we just thought we're just going to comfortably carry out the call that God has on our life. Like we Mm. were certain that we were called the ministry. Uh, we were certain that, um, it would be, something that had its ups and downs, but to the degree that that was, we didn't know. And again, I, I also, I put a little blame on social media here. You see people that are doing ministry today and it looks incredible. Uh, you know, it looks, it's like, wow, that looks so much fun. Um, and for us, we didn't understand the things that you would have to go through in order to get to a place where God could really use you in a powerful way. Not that God can't use you if you don't go through anything extreme, but it's like, how committed are you to the mission? Um, Are you, are you committed truly come hell or high water? Mm -hmm. And as we were even sitting around talking, oddly enough, you came up your circumstance Hmm. um, when we talked. Um, 
because I had read about it. Uh, oh. I remember we started talking about Matt Chandler and like mm-hmm. how, man, you know, everyone loves Matt Chandler's stuff. You know, everyone's got their different people they like, but a lot of people love Matt Chandler, but he had a brain cancer. Right. Uh, Levi Lusco. I mean, that's the last thing you want to hear ever. Uh, that's the last phone call you're trying to get. All these right. people that you look at right now and you're like, man, look at look at uh, their ministries in their lives. And it's like, yeah, but they are right in the line of fire. Mm-hmm. And I think we started to recognize the position that we were in and that it wasn't so much about us getting uh, to any kind of – Uh, level or to ascend to any ranks or to do any big things for God. It was not about our position in the kingdom. It was about helping other people be positioned in a way to where God could use them well. We became so much more others focused um, as a result of these things. And that's a, that's a tough one to, to break. And admittedly, I think we all struggle with from time to time staying there. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a shift too that happens as you're, you know, speaking to this. That there, there's a shift that happens within your valley, where you begin mm-hmm. to recognize, okay, I, I, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about myself and how do I really sort this out with the Lord? How do I wrestle through this? And that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But I think the first step to moving through your valley is to begin to go, all right, this isn't about me. This pain is yeah. not about me. This this yeah. pain is about how do how do I how, how do I position myself in such a way that God can use this pain to help other people? Yeah. And, and it's way beyond me and it's way bigger than me. And pain somehow has this, it, it begins to squeeze out that selfishness and self-centeredness inside of you. Uh, if you let it. Now there are a lot of people I feel like who are stuck in that self-centeredness, you know? Right. And therefore they're stuck in their valley. Yeah. Um, it's true. But I love that, you know, you guys recognize this, okay, this is actually kind of an, uh, a necessity for us yeah. to go through this pain, which yeah. I would say that's my, that's kind of one of my theories is, okay, this is necessary. This is a necessary thing for us in order to, um, steward the calling that God has for our lives. Yeah. To what extent would you agree it, to that? where it's like, you know what, and not just in ministry, but in every person's life, every follower of Jesus, there's, yeah. it is necessary that we all go through pain. And, and why? I, I am of the belief, and I don't even know that if it's, if it's a belief or really just certifiable fact, but like <laughs> you can't really know, you can't really know um, comfort if you don't know affliction. Yeah. Um, and like without, if, if one doesn't exist, neither does the other. Right. And, mm. and so, um, it, because it is bigger than ourselves, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's funny. I think maybe I, I don't want to attribute this to the wrong person. It might've been John Piper one time that said, um, God can see like the entire picture and I'm butchering this. He, he sees everything and mm. we're aware of like three things. And, <laughs> and I think to, to know that, and, and you don't have to live a whole lot of life to start to recognize that that's true. Um, I yeah. am aware of just a few things and looking back hindsight, you can see how that corner of the puzzle started to come together in a way that you didn't recognize when you were in it, but you can see it now. And I think it's so true, man. Mm. And, um, I'm sure you, I mean, do you, I mean, do you see that even in your own circumstances? It's like, and it's tough though, man, because you go, I'm, 
I'm not I'm not at the place necessarily where I think I'm thankful for it happening, mm. but I, I am thankful. I, I'm thankful that I was able to be thankful in it because I know God, <laughs> right. you know? Right. Yeah. It's uh, like this, you feel this like intimacy with God that you've never felt before. Yes. So there's this, there's this, um, it's, it's a conflicted feeling because you're like, yes. no, why did it take this for me to feel this kind of intimacy? Why did it take this like mm-hmm. ultimate death? Right. And I'm, I'm not just speaking to, you know, in terms of like the death of my, you know, my wife, I'm talking about just this, this death, this excruciating yes. death of my soul. Why did it take that for me to experience resurrection? And yeah. yet, isn't that what scripture tells us, right? We yeah. share in the resurrection of Christ only as we share in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. And theologically, man, that's a tough one to wrap your, your head around. You know what I mean? To go, yeah. Why is this a necessary? Why do we have to go through this in order to really truly experience the other side? Yes. I think we have like a threshold in our mind of suffering. Um, for example, like for me, I, I could have easily said to Lindsay, like, hey, we will go through some suffering doing ministry or whatever mm. it is that you do. You don't have to be doing ministry. But right. because we were doing ministry, I could have easily said something to Lindsay, like, hey, we will experience suffering. People will leave us that we thought loved us, yeah, you know? Right. And and it's like, but that's, I never thought or you're going to get married and plant a church in the same year and go through a health <laughs> crisis and feel like your life is flashing before your eyes. That I'd never thought like, you know what, Lindsay, that could also be to on that the degree. Table. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you're the same. And to your point, you brought up something that's so good, man. You said, um, why did it take this level of affliction to get me to this feeling of intimacy and the messed up thing that I've said a few times to a few people. And I haven't talked about this a whole lot though. Is mm. I will find myself from time to time, not missing being in the circumstance, but I miss yep. feeling afflicted to the point where I miss feeling God that closely in that yeah. moment. Cause I really felt him and I do miss some of the days in the middle of it. it yeah. It's weird. It's a weird, weird concept. Well, you miss, it's like you miss the things that he reveals too. Like he reveals so much of himself that you're like, it's like, oh, that, that experience. You can't even say it's a feeling because it's not a feel that experience with him that you're like, yeah, wow. And, and you kind of know when you're in seasons and spaces of feeling, you know, a little bit more maybe at rest or comfortable or because life is all in seasons. We're all about to, you know, if you're not in a valley, you're going to head into one at some point or you're coming out of one. Yeah. And, and it's like in those spaces that you're you're out of the valley, you just go, like what you said. I oh, I miss it. Like I miss the the experience that I had with the Lord, and yet I'm I'm holding my breath because I don't want to experience what I have to in life in order to experience the Lord the way I experienced Him. You know, it's so true. And I I think anybody that's gone through something extremely difficult, um, and again, it's relative would agree with that. It, mm-hmm. It's just weird. Like some of the the darkest moments of our life. I don't know. It just, it makes the light that much more clear, I guess is, yeah. is the best way I'd put yeah. it. Um, Luke Elizabeth Elliot said, I remember this profoundly impacted me. She said, what I gained in uh, relationship with the giver far outweighed the loss of the gift. Don't tell me that. Why would you tell me that? Whoa. Yeah. 
Golly, what's up? I mean, what's up with the conviction today? Um, that it's so. <laughs> that's so true. Um, I Oof. even I read something to the same effect. I have a devotional that I've read like every day for the past seven years. I would swear by it outside mm. of the Bible. Streams in the desert. Yep, and uh, they quote Elizabeth Elliot quite a bit. And there's a poem in there, and it says. I walked a mile with pleasure and she chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with pain and not a word said she, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow and pain walked with me. And I was like, it's very similar. It reminded me of that. And I'm like, wow. I read that as I was in the middle of uh, my situation with the whole health thing. And I was just like, why is it, why is it true this way? Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's, in many ways, it has made me into who I am and who I'm becoming, even though this is not the way I would have chosen it. Yeah. Um, I have I have felt God in, in a different way, experienced God, to your point, in a different way. And it's been mm. a beautifully painful thing. Hmm. Can you point to some like major turning points within this season? Not the turning point of like, okay, we've actually, you know, I want to get to that in a second. Like, wow, we've found out what's the pro what's happened and God's, you know, beginning to heal or has healed. I, I don't even know how you came up out of this sickness yet. We'll get there in a second, mm -hmm. but some other like spiritual deeper turning points that took place in this valley that you're like, that was a marker right there. And I want to, I want to build a monument that I never forget in that experience. Yeah, I had like uh I had a moment where it was kind of like when Joshua leads the Israelites into the promised land after wandering and God splits the Jordan River and they grab 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel mm -hmm. and they set up a monument uh to remember what God did there and one of those monuments that I have um, where I felt like God split the river for me so that I could remember that moment is I was showering uh, but before showering, I remember I was at the thinnest I'd gotten, stepped on the scale. I'm like 140 pounds. And like, I, I'm just disgusting. I can see my spine. I look like I have bat wings that are my scapulas. It's just gross. Uh, and, and like my dad that day had to carry me into the hospital because I was like unconscious, all this stuff. And they had to like, you know, feed me electrolytes. So I, the highlight of my days was taking showers in the dark pretty much. And I wow. had a moment, uh, where I just, I got into the shower and I just started like worshiping out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it was the moment where I went, I'm, co I'm coming out of it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to like live, but I'm coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this fog uh, and misunderstanding of what this is and who God is. I know who God is. I started to like get my confidence back as far as recognizing, God can use this. He will use this. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than Lindsay. This is bigger than anything. Um, this is going to be catalytic uh, in ministry should God allow me to continue to do it um, in my relationships and most importantly in my marriage um, mm -hmm. that we'll always be able to look back on this moment and go, that was huge. Wow. That was the day. That was the moment. And so, yeah, that that was probably the biggest one. You definitely have mile markers Along the way, um, you know, I even, um, I, I would see like a counselor. I had a, I had a doctor that kind of like doubled as a counselor for me that I was <laughs> seeing and just, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And it, it was so great 
to walk through some things with them and yeah. and figure out like what is it that's wrong inside of me that is that is questioning all these things that you know just a few months prior I'm preaching to these people you yeah. know like um what is it and it it again it gave me that grace for myself in a lot of ways um yeah. I'm I'm very much a perfectionist hmm. and that allowed me to not be a little yeah. bit and it was great. Yeah. You you said earlier that you alluded to some something to the effect of you don't you don't know comfort unless you are afflicted. And I'm curious mm-hmm. what are some things you know now that you know, right? You know about God mm-hmm. because yeah. of what you've walked through. That maybe you like quote unquote knew about God, you know, but now yeah. you know yeah. it. Uh, you know, when people say like, um, things that seem very trivial in church some days became truths that I desperately hung on to. Mm. Um, so whenever I would walk into church and it would say, you know, somebody would be like, Hey, you know, God sees you. Um, Mm. I would go, does he, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, I feel like it's too, you know, it's just like a, it's just typical day. And, um, in that moment, I was like, God, God really does see you. And that mm. was part of experiencing God. Um, and also he, he sees the stuff going on with you that other people don't see. Uh, yeah. Because even though there was a public part of this, there's very much a private part of this, right. um, which I'm sure you can attest to as well. And I, yeah. I tried to be out there with it in the book as much as I could be, uh, again, because I just believe in that vulnerability being a much deeper connection. Absolutely. And um I very much felt like God sees you. Uh, that's very much where the title came th- came from with the book, mm. and it it feels different to feel seen when you feel like nobody else understands. Mm. Um, even like, I think one of the unique things about suffering is for the individual. I have great family. I have great accountability in my life. I have a fantastic wife. I have. Um, all the things that you would think you can't break the guy because of not because of who he is, but because of who he has around him. Network, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And God kind of isolates you mm. in this situation where nobody, it seems like, understands. Mm. And you start to realize he does. He yeah. really does, and he's there, and he sees me, and he sees other people. And there was one time as I was preaching the sermon series that eventually became the book, because I preached um, a sermon series in the middle of this. Wow. Um, I I said to people, "Hey, I like you guys know what I'm going through. I want you to know that God knows what I'm going through. He knows what you're going through. He sees you." And it just hit different. Uh, for me mm. to be sick up there saying yep. it yep. and for other people to hear it. Yeah. Um, people were weeping, not for me, right. um, but I think with me. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to see someone go through something that they know uh, didn't look right. And it wasn't uh, – it, it, it had a physical part to it, right? You know, like mm. so people could see like he looks bad and mm. he can say that too. It's not just like conjecture. So – um, God used those things. And I'm like, even if there was just like a few people there that night that mm. are closer to God as a result of what I went through, is that big enough for me to have gone through what I went through? Um, wow. I, yeah, yeah, wow. it is. Which, which is tough. I mean, someone who 
has, I'm sure, like we talked about earlier, you said you're a very ambitious person, probably a lot of vision, right? Yeah. High yeah. impact, you know, want to affect change with large groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as many of us who are ambitious and in ministry are, it's yeah. tough to wrestle with that. Hey, if what I went through really only helps one person, mm-hmm. is it, is it worth going through? You know, yeah. is it worth it? Um, that'll, that'll make you do a heart check real quick. <laughs> well, that's, that's one of those things. Again, you ask like, what are some things that you knew, but now, you know, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's different to hear, you know, he leaves the 99 for the mm-hmm. one and it's like, amen. Yes. Uh, uh, so good. And then to actually understand what it might take to do that, you go, man, mm. He he really he does that. He did it for me and yep. he might use me to do that for other people. Wow. Uh, am I okay with that? Wow. Uh, and that was a place you had to get. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I wish I could say that I was already there, but I wasn't. <laughs> well, you know, what you're saying, Luke, is that pain and suffering ultimately at the end of the day, it just brings us closer to the heart of Jesus. And yeah, we become more like the image of God that we were created to have and be. Yeah. Was it was it Isaiah that said Jesus is a, is a was going to be a man of many sorrows? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, and I think some people are like, "Why? How?" <laughs> uh, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, lots of reasons." Yeah. Wow. So, what happened? Like, how did this thing begin physically? I mean, now we've talked about all the different spiritual ways that you were kind of climbing out of through and out of this valley, but physically. What, yeah. what was the cure? I mean, what did they find out was wrong? Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for <laughs> I this. I suppose. <laughs> I don't think you're ready for this. I'm a little this. nervous now. This is going <laughs> to... You, you, you should be. So there's lots of like... Looking back, I, I always say this. I love like comedy and to a probably sinful amount sarcasm. Uh, and <laughs> Maybe I that's just, the way God chose to relate with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? Throw you yeah, the irony like, of all ironies. <laughs> yes. And so uh, I, I, like I, my highs are really high, my lows are really low, man. And so <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, so what ended up happening is they found out uh, and again, you got to realize like throughout this whole time, they're doing the most insane blood work on me. My arm right. looks like I got chewed up by a pit bull. Uh, I, it's just bruised and just disgusting. Oh, they're doing like endoscopies, colonoscopies, which for you curious Ooh. people out there means they were inspecting the attic and the basement. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> as I'm going through all this, I eventually go to see an infectious disease doctor and I'm talking to the infectious disease doctor and he's like, all the doctors to this point had been real, just like, I don't know, we're doing everything we can. You got to be patient. And then I ran into this guy and this dude was like a little slice of heaven for me. Cause he, he comes in, he's like yoked and he looks at me <laughs> and he says, Hey, I know you, that no one's been able to figure this out. I'm just here to tell you, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm like, all that's right. the best thing I've heard in forever. First off. <laughs> But then, and I'm not kidding you, within about a month, which is a relatively short period of time compared mm-hmm. to, you know, the five, six months previously where we couldn't figure it out, he's, he calls me and says, hey, man, you had a parasite. <laughs> and I said, oh, a parasite? And he said, yes. He said, I did all the exhaustive studies. I met with people. We took the samples, did all the things. He said, I'm 100% sure what you had is a parasite. And I said, oh, well, what do you, you mean keep had? saying had. <laughs> you keep saying past tense had. 
And he said, so what happened is they kept giving you antibiotics for that and you ended up contracting another infection in your body because you had nothing in your body. Um, all the antibiotics had wiped out all the good bacteria in your system. Wow. And so you contracted C. diff. And I didn't know anything about C. diff, but it pretty much, it just gives you like just TMI, just way like crazy diarrhea, crazy like vomiting, crazy like all this stuff. Like yeah. your body's just getting rid of everything it has. Right. And so he said, there's two ways that you can fix this. And I don't remember the first one. Uh, actually, I do. He said, you could keep taking antibiotics and that could take, I don't know how much time. He said, it might not even work. And he said, or you could go get a fecal transplant. And yeah. I said, I said, a what? He said, a, a fecal transplant that like they can put someone else's bacteria in you. What? And I'm like, um, no, I'm not doing that. That's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. And he said, he said, I will tell you this though. Um, he said, if you do it, you'll be healed immediately. And I, he said, it's been, it's a test study, but he said, I've done it with a few oh other people. Gosh. You'll be healed immediately. Bro, and the so preacher I said, in me is already drawing the line right, right now. Oh my God. Yes. Preach this. Go ahead and he, preach it, Luke. Yes. And so I was like, wow. you're, you're telling me that a mess can be used for the message here. Like, I mean, wow. on the deepest level. And so uh, I wrote a chapter in the book called The Soil I Despise uh, <sighs> because it it's truly like the thing you think is the worst case scenario that can fix you. And wow. he, and it worked. It, I mean, I woke up and I was healed. Just, just clear as day. Holy um, cow. And it took me months to gain my weight back and all that yeah, stuff. Right. Um, it took a while. But I was like, you have to be kidding me. Well, and it's funny, like, uh, you know, all the tests and stuff, they're done at like Harvard and MI, <laughs> like all this stuff. And so I'm like <laughs> cracking jokes like crazy uh, um, because I'm like, if you can't laugh, like, how do you make it through that's this? True, that's you know, true. <laughs> like if you can't laugh. And so anyway, yeah, that's how I got healed. And it was oh, the most insanely. gosh circuitous route ever um and so like even Lindsay and i are just like dying like at the thought of it across yeah. all levels and this dude i mean truly like you hear infectious disease doctor and you think like he just wasn't good enough to do anything else and i'm mm -hmm. like no that that fits the bill that fits yeah. the bill right there <laughs> and so i mean this dude became like a hero to me because wow. I mean, he also said, he was like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to fix it and we're going to get it done. And he did. Dude. And I, how crazy. I, I always encourage people in their stories to find the metaphors, to find the thing that God is trying to speak to you through the story. Because he does it so much. I mean, you look at all the prophets, right? And he's like, hey, yeah. I want you to do this thing. And you're like, wait, huh, what? Why in the world? Would right. But of course, there's this, you know, meaning, significance behind it because it's a message on a... And dude, how, my question is, how long did it take for you as a, someone who is a you know preacher prior to this to draw that connection and go, oh, oh my God, I see yeah. what you're doing, God. <laughs> yeah, it, it took all of about seven nanoseconds, man. Like it took, it took <laughs> no time. I mean, what, what that is amazing. Yeah. Once everything, once everything comes into clear view and again, it, uh -huh. it takes like hindsight also. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and at that point, I guess the hard thing too is there are sometimes where I go, man, I wish I would have kept track of metaphors throughout better um, instead of like wallowing. Yeah. But good. I mean, that one's an easy one. 
And there, there are so many that are throughout the whole thing, just easy to recall, remember and, and talk about. Yeah. And again, it's one of those deals where I just, I, I always wonder like, man, what else is there, God, that I could have picked up on that I missed? And yeah. the other thing that I've had to like talk with Lindsay about and that we've kind of come to grips with is like we're pretty young. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's more life to live. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not the last or the first thing yep. that we're going to have encountered in our life, you know, when we're, you know, God willing, sitting on our porch at some point and we have grandkids and we're like, well – do you remember when? Yeah, so, right. exactly. Well, and now though, the thing is, is the perspective that you have out of, a, you know, a little bit of regret for in, instead of really leaning into God, what are you trying to teach me? What are the metaphors you're trying to show me here? How do I partner with you in this like narrative that you're writing in my life? You, you felt like there was a season that you wallowed. So now out of that regret, you're able to look forward to the next trial and go, no, I know how to approach this. I know, yeah. I know how to really lean in and just go, Hey Lord, this sucks, but um, I remember the fecal transplant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember right. how you brought me out of this, uh, this last one. And so, you know, I know you're going to, and while I'm in this one, let's just teach me, you know, what is it that you're wanting to do? Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And uh, it's it's funny, like, you know what's bad, or I don't know if it's bad or not. I, I never even – I. I never even like think about how I got healed so much as I think about um, the real dark moments in right. it. Um, because again, I kind of miss them yeah. sometimes. And I I wish I didn't say it like that, but it's kind of the only way I know how to articulate what I'm thinking. And like, I'm super thankful that there are people by any weird means necessary that can get you healed. Uh, yeah. And I don't, you know, I'm, thank God for doctors, because that yeah. would not have been number one on my list. But at the same time, um, again, I find myself more going back to those valleys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the best, it's because that's where the best stuff was. That's it, yeah. um, and like getting healed is the thing everyone likes to celebrate. But I think for the person that suffers and goes through it, you kind of secretly, um, while people are rejoicing over that, there, there's a part of you that's always going to be shaped by that valley mm. um, that really just made a lot of things in you that I feel like, you know, that that's again one of those works that I feel like God begins in you. And he's going to bring it to completion, but I don't know what exactly it looks like even now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'll, I had someone, I preached at a church last Sunday, uh, and this guy, he came up to me and just said, Hey, thank you for the message. I've just really been going through it. Yeah. And then we just started talking and it's just like, I could recognize something's up. And right. he, and he started, he started saying to me, I just have a lot going on in my house right now. I said, what, what's wrong? I said, is it a health thing? He said, yeah. Hmm. And I said, is it you? He said, no, it's my wife. And, you know, she's got cancer and Hmm. I don't know if it's going to, it's just, you can just sympathize with people better. And it felt so good to, to feel the hopelessness that he felt to be able to grab hold of that and be like, I remember that. Right. But then also to be like, my guy, there's hope, you know, uh, like there, there's hope and to be able to articulate that cause I'd done it. Um, and and you know all about that. Well, and I think for someone to, 
that's listening to this who the the allure of a platform ministry you know they're they're very enticed by that they want that they look like you alluded to earlier in this conversation mm-hmm. they look to instagram they're like ministry is really sexy it really looks fun looks awesome what yeah. what that person needs to understand and what everyone needs to understand who even has that kind of a ministry is that the real ministry happens off the stage yeah. with people one on one where you're connecting with yeah. people because of these common stories where you go, Hey man, and you put your hand on their shoulder and you say, let me just, let me pray for you right now. Cause I don't have any words that are going to be able to help you, but the Holy spirit and his ministry in your life right now is going to be able to empower you and strengthen you in this. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So Luke, man, this is, wow. This has been awesome. Dude, Crazy. I, I just like geek out over this, uh, <laughs> fecal transplant. That's I love metaphor. So this is really ri- that. I just love it. The book's yeah, called Your I mean, Mess Matters. Yes, yes. And uh, it was originally, this is another fun fact. It was, I did a series called By Dirt and Blood. And okay. it was supposed to be called By Dirt and Blood originally, but uh, there was actually a Nazi chant that was, that was uh, it was By Soil and Blood. Hmm. And so the publisher <laughs> thought we should do something else. And I'm like, this is just the story of my life. Like it couldn't have been like a small, yeah. like weird sect of like a hate group. It, it's like Nazis really. And so <laughs> we ended up changing the title, but I dig it. So oh your mess gosh. matters. That's amazing. Well, everybody needs to pick it up. This is a, a phenomenal book, phenomenal message. I love what you guys are doing to minister out of your pain. And man, I just appreciate this conversation that, this time that you spent with me to, to talk about pain and suffering and really break it down. Yeah, man. I really Dude, appreciate thank you guys. It. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me and uh, just being hope for us on the other side of things. Luke, as we, uh, as we land the plane here, why, why don't you tell us where the list, tell the listeners where they can find you, where can they follow what you're doing and what's going on in your life? Yeah. One of the benefits of a weird last name is, uh, my <laughs> social handles the same across the board. It it's is. just at Luke Lazan, you know? Uh, so you can, you can see me there. I try to stay pretty active there. Um, and then also obviously, yeah, the book is the big thing right now. If you want to check out the book, it's, uh, at Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold. Amazon's obviously kind of the pop in one. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me and, and talk to me more about the book or your church or whatever, um, just reach out to me by uh, emailing me at uh, yourmessmatters at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Awesome. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks again for having this conversation with me. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you guys for having me on here, for real. Man, that was just so good. I was Mm. not expecting him to say what he did as far as where his healing came from. I wasn't either. That was like mind-blowing. It Uh, was. Whoa. I didn't even know that kind of stuff even existed. So it was just on a whole other level. And I know the metaphor part of you was just going crazy during that. The (laughs) metaphor-loving teacher in you. So yeah. <laughs> My metaphors are never good. as good as your husband's Marvel comic <laughs> metaphors or, you know, Those Avengers good, metaphors. They're really good. They're really they good. Are, they are. <laughs> they keep coming. They're fresh, new every day. It's uh, awesome. But yeah, it was so good. And I just loved his perspective um, on pain. I share that perspective mm-hmm. a lot just from what I've walked through and what I've been through. Um, I I've found that I tend to, the people who've been through tragedy or been through pain, I tend to um, 
I think just really pay attention when they're talking because I mm. know that when you go through something like that, there are many people who uh, those are the ones who seem to dig into their faith in yeah. a really mm-hmm. real way and dig into um, what they're going to and lean into it. And I know it's uh, not everyone does. And that can yeah. also just be really damaging in a totally different way too. But those right. who like Luke and so many on your podcast who have truly gotten to a place of healing and redemption and are thriving yeah. out of their pain, those stories have just um, done so much for my own journey. Yeah. You know, I found the same thing for myself uh, in regards to like who I, who I tend to trust or what voices I tend to trust, but also for, for me prior to walking through the the major tragedy of losing Amanda, you know, that's probably like the big, huge pain uh, instance of, of my life, but there's been a lot of other different, smaller, painful experiences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. prior to that one though. I feel like I was, I was one who would make a lot more definitive statements Yes, And, you know, oftentimes it's like you, you think, you know, and so you make statements, you become Mm -hmm. very judgmental or very opinionated or dogmatic about certain things. And then tragedy has a way of upending your world and causing you to go, wait a minute, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I don't really have all the answers. It's not as black and white as we thought. Yeah. Right. And And God isn't either. No. And just finding that out. I find the people who like have walked through difficult pain they're they do more of asking questions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this mm-hmm. like I wonder if or you know and they're wrestling, it's that wrestling idea yeah. we talked about so many times on the podcast as well. It's just this idea of like really digging into some deeper understanding of who God is. And that can be so productive. Oh my gosh, so productive. Yeah, yeah because transformative. it transformative. It changes us. That's exactly, exactly. right, Carissa. Yep. It changes us the more we lean in and ask questions, mm-hmm. um, both asking asking questions of God and asking questions about God and just learning who he is, that that his character and nature isn't defined by the box of our circumstance. Yes, um, well said. So, well, that was an awesome episode. And we want to thank Sleeping at Last for um, for providing all the music. And go and listen to everything that he has put out. <laughs> everything. It's all really, really good. Uh, anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. Uh, again, that's Sleeping at Last. And next week, we have an incredible conversation with uh, Michelle Kashat. And I had no idea who Michelle was. I had no idea that I used to listen to a podcast that she was a co-host for, for years and years and years. <laughs> Until we get wow. in this interview. We wow. got on a phone call and I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Wait, you used to do a podcast with Michael Hyatt? Like, I used to listen to that podcast. So it was a really cool thing to just kind of get to glean from her. But she's gone through a lot. Oh, man. She's a wealth of knowledge because of it. Whew. Exactly oh what gosh. we were just talking about. She's another wonderful example. Yes. So you're definitely going to want to lean in next week and listen to this conversation. So why don't we listen to a little clip from my conversation with Michelle Kashat? At some point in time, you can only go through so much until you just can't do it anymore. And so in April, after all of this had happened, so when treatment was done, at this point, different body systems weren't working anymore. I was in extreme physical pain 24 hours a day. In in other words, to give you an idea, I was taking fentanyl. Mm. Most people are familiar with fentanyl now because it's so lethal. I mean, people are dying from it left and right. I was on fentanyl 24 hours a day, 24 seven for six months. My gosh. 
And on top of that, I was taking liquid morphine just to take the edge off because the fentanyl didn't always work. And I was still, even with fentanyl and morphine, I was in so much physical pain, excruciating pain, that I, there were days where I was just writhing on the couch, you know, just like curled up and, and was, mis- I mean, literally begging God to let me die. Wow. So the opening chapter of the book, it's one that uh, it was very hard to write, but I just lay it out there. The opening scene of the book is me in my basement in April 2015. And I'm holding a glass of Maker's Mark whiskey in one hand and holding my morphine bottle in the other. And it occurs to me that it would only take about 15 minutes for my suffering to truly be done. Mm. 